Sarah Rowe, the WWE wrestler, is joining me for a conversation here on Her Wild Outdoors. And while we talk a little bit about wrestling, we really talk about her passions that have come from being in the outdoors, being on a farmstead that she is working with her family. We're talking about hunting. We're talking about the power that we have as a community and what that all means to her. So join in, listen in, uh, enjoy it, and let us know what you think. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening in to another Her Wild Outdoors. I am excited to have Sarah Rowe with me today. And Sarah, thank you for joining me. Um, of course. On the podcast. We uh, here at Her Wild Outdoors, it's kind of crazy that uh, the women and men that I've talked to, it's not necessarily just all hunting. And I think that I chose the title perfectly because I think anybody in the outdoors, whether you are a hunter or fisherman or a hiker or a farmer or homesteader, you're still in the outdoors. And I think that no matter who you are on that front, most of everybody who is involved in some sort of fashion supports each other along the way. So um, I'm lucky that you, you kind of do all of it. (laughs) Yeah. Not not a lot of spare time for sure. No, not for sure. Um, I do want, I'd love for people to kind of hear a little bit of who you are um, and, and where you're from and just kind of how, I kind of want to start with how the outdoors came into your life, because I'm pretty sure that was before the rest of everything. So just give us a little hint. Yeah. So like you said, my name's Sarah Rowe. Um, I live uh, about 45 minutes west of Cleveland, Ohio. Um, we don't disclose the location specifically, but... Good for <laughs> we live, you. <laughs> we live up north um, by the lake, so weather is very choppy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, I've i always lived in, uh, in the, I guess, above the Mason-Dixon line. Um, my... <laughs> <laughs> my husband is originally from Cleveland, Ohio. I'm originally from the Indiucky area, like Louisville, Jeffersonville, like yeah. that area. Yeah. Um, and my um, my family uh, growing up were like hound hunters. Like a lot of uh, Kentucky hound hunting is a very like you know cultural thing. It is. Um, yeah, for sure. So I I kind of grew up doing that, but like gender roles were a huge thing in my family. It was a very like old fashioned family. Mm-hmm. So I really had to push hard to like be outside with the boys, you know, cause the girls were kind of inside, you know, keeping the house alive, but like I wanted to be outside. Yeah. And, um, it's kind of funny cause like my, I have four brothers and I'm the only one that still hunts. I'm the only one that still like has, you know, <laughs> ties to the outside. Like my other brothers are like computer, you know, engineers are like, they do like, uh, um, like tech support, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think the, re- the kind of the, because I kind of had to push for it, I feel like I definitely appreciated it more because when mm-hmm. I got to do it, it was such a big deal. Um, so I started hunting with my family uh, at a very young age. Uh, I wasn't really allowed to like do the firearm stuff for a long, long time, but I got real good at tracking and real good at like kind of being the person that like, like I still to this day, my, one of my favorite parts of hunting and I will tell other people that live around me. I'm like, tell me when you shoot something. Cause I will be there to help you track it. Yeah. Like that's actually what sent me into labor 
was tracking my husband's deer <laughs> and awesome. 18 inches of snow. And cl- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would agree with you on that. Tracking is one of my favorite things to do. Absolute favorite things to do. It's almost like you're an investigator, like you're a detective and you're looking mm-hmm. for that puzzle that you're putting together to find your goal at the end. And I, it really, I love that part. Yeah. It's uh, like people, you know, have different parts of hunting. Like it's really ever like shooting the animal, you know, it's like Mm-mm. the before or the after, you know, and yeah. that's definitely my favorite part is the tracking. But yeah. I started, you know, outdoors at a very young age and my passion of it kind of put my husband's passion for it. He grew up in like the east side of Cleveland, like on, or sorry, the west side of Cleveland, um, like in the proper like city. <laughs> so he's like a adult, like onset hunter. Yeah. And, uh, but he, he's taken it on strides. Like he obsesses more about like research and stuff than I do. Like mm-hmm. I can hunt with a freaking stick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like the gear nerd and everything now. So I think that's a good fun. that's a good balance though, right? My husband and I, we hunt completely different, 100% different. In fact, one of the times, one of the only times that we went hunting in the first, I want to say six or seven years that we were hunting, I hunted solo and he went with me once in, in the first two years and he took a shot on a couple of deer and I think it was two or three shots and he missed. And he got so frustrated that he got down and he walked all the way over to where I was and said, are you ready to go? And I was like, dude, it's 7.15 in the morning. You just ruined <laughs> he's, he's done. He's ready to go. Yeah, and right. I said, and we will not be hunting together again. <laughs> I will not tell you where I'm set up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, he, he hunts the warmer times, whereas I love hunting the colder times. And Mm. it kind of works out with that balance with the kids because they also get to see the different sides of the way you hunt. And it's not just the feminine side or the masculine side of hunting. That's a big part of it. But I think it's all of the different things that we bring to the table, whether you're a good tracker or you feel dress um, efficiently or, you know, what you are learning along the way. We each have our our nicks and our, our, our good things that we can bring to the table that they can then learn from. So, I mean, take female and male completely out of it. And it's just what what trade can you bring in? What What are your best parts of it that you can bring? Yeah, Ray really likes to um, kind of like pre-plan like our approach. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm like, I'm just going to walk up to the tree stand or whatever I'm hunting out of. And I'm just going to walk up. And if I blow something out, I blow something out. Hopefully something comes back. But he's yeah. like, yeah, but if we if we come in from the side and like the wind's <laughs> coming out. And I'm like, I'm like, that is a lot of things Extra that, work. You have, <laughs> yeah, that you have found out about this uh-huh. place. I guess we'll do that. So. Uh-huh. I guess he kind of does the before and I'm kind of all about the after. So definitely a good balance. And I'm sure because you like hunting colder seasons and your husband likes hunting the warmer. And I bet it helps with like the kids, you know, because like someone's got to watch, you know, until they can kind of come with you. Someone's got to. Yeah. Over the past. I think think Sai was three years old when I started hunting and it was just kind of one of those 
We only had single stands at the time. Uh, didn't really have any ground blinds or a place to hunt at that point in time that we had figured out where you could take them. And so it was either draw straws or pick uh, whichever season so that we could kind of barter off who gets to go. (laughs) But now that they're older, I mean, I've got a teenager now and she, I mean, she is all about going. And and my son is, my son is too. He kind of waned a little bit. We lost a dog this past year and, Mm. um, she was a big part of our family. And so he took that. He was, he, both of the kids found her. And so he took Mm -hmm. that really hard. And so when season started, he said, you know, I'm really not into it this year. And yeah, I guess being faced with death is kind of, it's something you got to process through. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he didn't say it at first, but the more I pressed in because I knew it was something bigger He said, Mm -hmm. you know, after seeing Bella die, I'm fine with the before and after. It's just watching them go. And I said, buddy, that's okay. That's perfectly okay. That is, you need to work through that. You need to feel it. You need to process through it. And I was really proud that he could come to um, a conclusion of why he wasn't ready to hunt. And I think that we make that mistake when introducing new hunters in is not giving them that space, right? Yeah, because yeah, like sometimes the deaths aren't like what you imagine. Like, okay, I'm just going to like, especially archery, like, okay, I'm just going to put this arrow through and it'll hit and the deer will run and it'll go to sleep. It'll bleed out. Everything's great. Yeah. But like there's been times where I've spined a deer mm-hmm. and that is awful yeah. to watch. Like yeah. truly awful. Makes yeah. me freaking cry, you know? I know. And it's, it's, you just, you never know. Every hunt is different. Um, And I think that that's just giving somebody space to process through it, especially if they haven't. We all, I made a rule at the beginning. Hey kids, you need to see a full hunt, an actual kill. And then, you know, through the whole process before you can actually um, take a life. Cause I want you to experience it first. So it's not a complete shock. But then, yeah, that's very smart, yeah. yeah, and then give them a little bit of space when it actually does happen to feel whatever they need to feel, whether it is jumping up and down in excitement and heck yeah, or which it was my daughter or my son who, when he took his first year, kind of took a moment and was um, a little somber, not regretful. But, yeah, right. But just needed to walk through it a little bit differently. And I think that, yeah, it's important to allow people to do that. And on the same token, like if, if it's not for you, that's that's fantastic. Because like there needs to be people in this world that like can and can't pull the trigger. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. yeah. It needs to be both of those, both of those things. It's true. I think that that's the biggest thing is people are constantly, well, you're trying to convert people to hunting. No, heck no. Yes, I would love for you to come hunting and try it out. But more so, I'm just trying to get you to support hunting. You don't have to pull a trigger. You can eat the meal on my table or not. But just understand that there are different reasons why people hunt. And it doesn't matter if you want to or not. Just support a choice that somebody else is making. I think that's the biggest thing. For sure, yeah. 
Yeah. Cause I had my, my best friend. Um, she's also a wrestler. Um, she can't like, she can't bring herself to like hunt and she, she gets nervous on going hunts with me. She's like, I'm going to mess something up and then you're going to be mad. And I'm, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, she definitely doesn't want to be involved in the process of like what it takes to take an animal's life. But mm-hmm. she's very appreciative when I like bring, you know, bring meat or like I cook for her. And yeah. she also understand like I raise beef. Yeah. And I grass raised beef. So it takes like three years mm-hmm. to get an animal up to butchering weight. Three years is a long time, especially because I only have like recently, like we started with three. We have seven now. <laughs> um, like we started with these animals and like Wally, our bull, we're going to run him through another breeding cycle, but he's going to be our first animal that we butcher that I've raised for three years. Mm-hmm. And that's going to end like the first, and we're going to do that kind of all in house because I don't want his last day of his life to be, you know, on a trailer going somewhere he doesn't know. I don't want him all freaked out. So like I'm choosing to take on that burden of like taking his life and like butchering him on the farm. Yeah. And it's like, people are like, how could you do that? It's like, well, it's not like maniacal to me. Like I'm not waking up every day being like, dude, you got this many more days. I'm going to kill your ass. No, it's <laughs> no. going uh-uh. to be a sad thing. And like, I'm definitely going to cry. And like, I guarantee you that like, like a lot of people will leave meat in the, in the refrigerator and like, Oh, we forgot about this. And now it's spoiled. We got to throw it out. I guarantee you, I'm not going to leave Wally in the freaking refrigerator no. and not eat him. No, you know? Yeah. There's more appreciation for that. And, 100%. and he has lived his best life. <laughs> Whereas, uh, he is. you know, yeah. going to the supermarket Oil. and getting meat out of there, the most of the places are not that hospitable. Um, yeah, for sure. The freaking feedlots. And yeah. I mean, don't, don't, that'd be a whole nother podcast and stuff. Right, right. <laughs> we could go way further into that. But you did yeah. hint into something. So, Sarah, tell us a little bit about how wrestling came into your life. So I, like I said, I have lived in and out of Louisville, Kentucky, like my whole life mm-hmm. and until recent, but, uh, it, um, it is a big wrestling area. Like there was the Louisville gardens, uh, and there was wrestling there like every Wednesday. And my grandma was obsessed with wrestling. Like she was this little church going lady, <laughs> but come time to watch wrestling. She was freaking just a person that I had never seen before. So yeah. like, I was like, what is this wrestling stuff? You know? <laughs> And I just grew up with her watching wrestling. But like, to me, wrestling was such a, such a thing that was like out of this world. It didn't seem obtainable. So I didn't really grow up being like, I'm going to be a wrestler. Cause like that just wasn't in the cards for me kind of. Yeah. Um, and then I discovered that in my home, t- near my hometown, there was um, people that were running, like it's called, we call an independent wrestling show. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, triple a ball you know like it's it's like a lot lower crowd like i didn't get paid nothing to do it but like but it was fun (laughs) yeah it started my like journey of getting trained to wrestle and so i started kind of you know trying to get get in where i fit in with wrestling like i was running cars into the ground driving 12 plus hours to a freaking show and um using like part-time jobs to support my wrestling addiction Mm -hmm. yeah um and then i was still in high school when this was happening so I was like, you know, I don't, I full ass everything, you know? So yeah. I was like, how can I 
get the most out of this. So four days after I graduated high school, I flew myself to Japan to become a wrestler. Like wow. I was like, these are the wrestlers I want to wrestle like. Like I've never been even to the airport at this point. Like I've never <laughs> been on a plane, never been anywhere that my car couldn't take me. Mm-hmm. But like I was like, you know, I was I couldn't see me doing anything else. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to get on this plane. I'm going to fly to Japan. I'm going to meet up with this lady that I've only emailed with. Like I'm shocked that I didn't get into some, you know, <laughs> muddy waters doing that. Yeah. But I flew to Japan and I stayed there for three months and like just learned how to wrestle. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause before this I did what was called like deathmatch wrestling. Yeah. Um, I was like falling in light tubes and thumbtacks and barbed wire and just getting paid to get hurt. Essentially. Like I was like, I'm good at getting hurt. I can do this. And, uh, but I didn't really become like a quote unquote wrestler until I spent three months in Japan and really, um, kind of hone my skills because all I was doing all day, every day was training. And I shocked my body so much that the whole three months I was in Japan, I didn't start my freaking period. And I was kind of worried about that. I was like, I can't read a Japanese pregnancy test. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's a little side note. But um, I trained in Japan and I got, you know, kind of good at what I could do. Mm-hmm. And I ended up staying in Japan for three months, three times. So I spent nine months in Japan and, um, really like, I know a lot of the language, like it it was, it's one of the most beautiful countries, you know, Mm -hmm. besides this one, obviously that, um, that I've, that I've ever been to and somewhere that like, I want to take cash one day and like that I would love to just kind of go back to and hell, maybe wrestle again in Japan. It's like the Japanese people freaking love wrestling. You can watch wrestling every day of the week in Japan. It's I love huge. That. I love that. And, and I just started like, you couldn't, you couldn't like get me off of shows. If I could be there, I would be there. And I think that is a mindset that a lot of people should have, like starting something, mm-hmm. like yep. just do it as many times as you can do it and do it and do it and do it. And it got to the point with WWE, I was doing so much extra stuff. People were like, do you work here? And I'm like, not yet, you know. <laughs> but watch. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, I would always just show up. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I showed up and I was present and I was there. And it ended up getting me to like where I am today. Um, like even with hunting, like, um, you know, you're going to get your chances of getting a deer go up so much more in the woods if you just show up yes. than if you stay at home. No, 100%. So that's kind of, yeah. That's how I approach, I guess, kind of everything. And I'm just, me and Ray both have very like obsessive personalities when it comes to things. And I guess that's kind of how we've made it to where we are today. I think that there's um, not enough of that today. I think there's more hesitation in jumping into things or it's like, let me just stick my toe in versus cannonball in. Um, Yeah, for sure. I would rather cannonball in and hit my ass on the concrete than, than dip my toe in and not get a full experience. And, you know... I hate using the the word failure, but there I have had failures in yeah, yeah. my <laughs> life. I mean, I'm 40 years old. There's no way that you can live 40 years old, 40 years and not have a failure mm-hmm. unless you don't stick your whole self in, like you said, unless you're half-assing things so that you don't make a mistake and it's fear. It's totally fear. And I I 
I don't know. I think we've raised our kids to say, I'd rather you make a full-on big, huge mistake than miss out. Yeah, like, and I, I think, like, me and Ray, like, our parents, me and Ray's uh, parents, they were very much, like, get out of high school, get a job, like, both of our dads, like, steel mill truck drivers, you know, mm-hmm. like, blue-collar things, and, like, it's kind of the generation of, like, settling, like, okay, I'm here, I'm coasting, like, everything's fine, but it, my, our, like, I asked Ray's dad, the other, like, a few weeks ago, I was like, when you were a kid, like, what was your dream? Mm-hmm. Like, what was your like dream? And he was like, you know what? I don't even remember. And I was like, oh my God, that's so heartbreaking. That's really sad. Um, yeah. And like Ray for a long time kind of started because me and Ray ended up in the same place wrestling, you know, like we, we did the Indies, we went to Japan, we got like, you know, a fire under our ass in Japan and ended up, ended up at WWE. But it took me about five years to do that. And it took Ray like, 12 years to do that Hmm. because he was, was not going all in with wrestling. Mm -hmm. Like he had a job in construction and he was kind of doing this and he's like, I'll just wrestle on the weekends. And like, it's scary to go all in on something. That's not like a sure deal. Yeah. Cause you eat a lot of, you eat a lot of shit sandwiches trying to get there. Like, you know, I slept in my car. I was homeless at one point. Like there's all of these crazy things that like, I'm only 27, you know, and I've, and I have had the kind of almost the same, you know, granted, you know, give or take life experiences Ray has just because I was just faster in making my mistakes than Ray was, you know, Ray was <laughs> yeah. more conservative because that, that's what his dad, you know, kind of did. Mm-hmm. He was conservative. He worked, you know, his nine to five job. And then, you know, it wasn't like necessarily what he wanted, but it was safe. Yeah. And expected. I was, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like secure you know you kind of mm-hmm. know what's gonna come out of it I was like I don't, I don't know what was going through my mind I was just like I'm just gonna do do things yeah I don't know what these things are gonna be but I'm gonna go do them <laughs> yeah I think after after high school I went to college I never finished my um my bachelor's because I got to a point where it was actually my grandfather and I were very very close and he passed away and it kind mm-hmm. of made me realize, what am I, what am I doing? Like, yeah, what, yeah. what am I doing? I'm doing the expected thing at one point in that, in the three years that I was in school, I, um, I said, there's no way I'm going home again. And I was homeless in the summers. I was doing little jobs here and there, sleeping on couches and house right. sitting or, you know, things like that. But it was when he passed away, it was kind of like a, what am I doing? And um, and so it it has been more of a journey for me to figure out what my passions are over time. I don't think I've ever settled on one thing. It has been a constant change over time, uh, kind of evolving who I am and the confidence. Like some people don't have that confidence in the beginning and it depends on how you grow up and who the people Mm -hmm. are around you that sometimes that confidence comes later in life and being able to take that step, like you're saying that, that step of faith into the unknown (laughs) to, to throw yourself fully into something. Um, and it, I, I truly think that it has a lot to do with how you're raised and, and I mean, my grandparents, my grandfather 
was probably the most adventuresome person I know. He was Navy. He worked for the Forest Service. I mean, he he hmm. would do like crazy things all through, but be a little bit stable. But it was always travel, travel, travel. Their favorite place was Japan, too, in traveling. And I think my grandmother, the reason for that is because she was so short. And she goes, I kind of feel like these are my people. (laughs) um, But it was, they were able to retire early. And so they were able to live life young still. And I look at people who are, you know, 60, 70 years old, still working, like you say, and that's stuck. And it, it freaks me out a little bit. I'm like, I don't want that. No, yeah, hundred percent. And I, I think because like my my mom was like a uh, like kind of like a stay at home mom, and my dad was a truck driver, and they kind of just did, you know, like they weren't necessarily like happy in their marriage. Like they were just kind of like settling always. Mm-hmm. And I, because I didn't have that like adventurous role model, I kind of went the opposite. You know, yeah, I'm like. I, not gonna just stay here like yeah. I'm, I'm the only person in my family to, to have like left the country you know yeah I'm like I'm not just gonna stay here and do this like I, that's not what I want and I I was kind of doing it before I consciously realized that that wasn't what I wanted you know mm-hmm. I was just steps and in that direction and it kind of gets discouraging because you're like sometimes you're like oh I made the step and it didn't work it must not work mm. you know you have to keep but pushing yeah, for sure. You got to like, like doors are just always there. You know, you got to make those brick walls into doors kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. And you have to walk through them. I think that doors are constantly in front of us. You just have to make that that purposeful yeah. choice to open it and walk through um, and not stand in the in the doorway. Um, yeah. That's that <laughs> hesitation. <laughs> I my I grew up with. I have two brothers, a, a sister and a stepsister. So I have a lot of siblings. And we grew up kind of in a in a family or in a, a city, a town at the time, where hunting, especially waterfowl, was huge. Everybody did. Mm-hmm. Um, well, all the guys did. And so it was very much so like you, that gender role um, assignment. And so all of the girls that I grew up with, it was, well, you get married after high school and then you start your family and then you, and that was just kind of what the role was. And right. so I didn't start hunting till 33. And, uh, it kind of was one of those situations where I've always been outside. I've always been in the outdoors. I've always been camping. I've always been hiking, backpacking, things like that. But it, it wasn't until I sat in a tree at 6 8 or 4 30 a.m. and watch the world wake up. Yeah, yeah. Holy moly, the peace that came from that. Um, the ability to slow down in this fast paced world and take in what was around me, I, it changed my life a hundred percent. Changed my life. Um, and it, it was, it wasn't until two years later that I even took a deer. Um, but it was just getting out there, especially as a new mom, being able to get out there and make sure that I wasn't losing myself in parenting versus, um, being able to maintain who I am for my kids. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, happy mom makes happy kids. You know, yes. you got to make sure take care of your yourself. And, and, and that's one thing that, like, I'm so appreciative for, like, for, like, right, like right now as I'm doing this podcast, he's, like, you know, walking the house with our newborn to keep him, you know. <laughs> so, um, well, our, our baby, I guess now he's, he's every three months in a few days. But um, it, like, the support system that kind of needs to be there mm-hmm. to, especially, like, because I want to, like, exclusively breastfeed and I want to, like, not do a pacifier and I want to have all these parenting goals that, like, wouldn't be attainable without my husband, yeah. you know, like, I, I, I would either have to not do what I, you know, like Ray makes sure to do like when Ray is home, he takes cash to do the chores in the morning so I can work out, you yeah. know, like just little things that make me feel like myself. He makes sure that I get those things done mm-hmm. and it like support, you know, the, really the term of like takes a village is, <laughs> it's so is true. true. Yeah. It's so true. Finding that village can be hard. Um, but once you find them, I don't know, I've, I have realized that it is much better to have a small village than a big village. Um, I would, I'd rather have real people surround me who support and who I can support than to have a whole bunch of friends. Um, so I, I get that it is, I think that it's important for my kids to see not just a happy mom, but a secure mom. Yeah, um, I think that that's like they don't worry that after they leave. I mean, I've got five more years with my daughter before she leaves, and I don't think she has ever hesitated or worried that when she leaves that I'm going to fall apart. <laughs> like that's not going to happen. Yeah. I'm excited for her. I'll probably be sad that she's not in the house anymore, but I'm I'm secure enough in who I am that she's going to learn to be the same way. Yeah. And like, you're not just a mom. So when she leaves, they like, you're, you're like, you don't know what to freaking do with yourself. Right? You know, <laughs> it happens like, a lot. Go on. <laughs> yeah. It happens a whole lot, especially to women. You just throw yourself into something, um, that doesn't allow you when it's gone to keep going. It's good to do, you know, like it's, especially like babies are so they're dependent on you 100 percent. oh yeah and that gets taken away from you slowly through an 18 year period (laughs) but like it's so gradual that it's hard to know that you need to kind of you know yeah not way you know in a sense but like be more independent you know I think I had a conversation with somebody one time and I said, you know, it starts early it starts with you know them learning how to stand up and you having to let go And then when they take their steps and you have to let go and when they go to school and you have to let go or when they're out, you know, when they start hunting alone and you have to let go it, um, it's these gradual steps that I don't know. I like to celebrate those, those parts where they are becoming their own people. Um, that's exciting to me. And I don't ever want to be the person who says, whether it's in hunting or school or whatever they choose to do in life, I don't want to be the person that holds them back. And I think that goes not just for your own kids, but for people who are around you that you're either mentoring or walking alongside of. I don't want anybody to ever look back and say, hey, you kind of held on too tight there and I wasn't able to go forward. Um, 
that's not what we're here for. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to hear a little bit. I I had a question for you and I didn't throw this out at you before we talked. So I hope I don't throw you off. But um, one of the things in following you, I didn't really start following you until because I mean, my brothers loved wrestling, but I was not like a visual, like I have seen it little bit by little bit. There's some great movies out there that I've watched. Um, But I didn't start following you until I noticed your outdoor hunting um, and farm homestead kind of lifestyle. And I noticed that you get, and we have talked about this, the flack, the, the angry people. (laughs) But I, my biggest question was, did you get a lot of that before wrestling or did you notice it more um, with like when you post things, did you get more hate off of the hunting part versus the wrestling part? So I, I knew that if I, when I opened that door that like, I am a hunter and mm-hmm. all this thing stuff on social media that I would get flack. So yeah. for a long time, my Instagram was just wrestling based. And like, I just kind of straight stayed true to the character I played on TV. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where like, cause like wrestling can make you happy. Yeah. But wrestling isn't going to like, uh, isn't going to like fill a void inside of you yeah. because yeah. it, business it's finicky you know like one minute you're on top of the world and the next minute you're not doing anything so it's it's nothing that's going to be like secure in you so like there was a point in my wrestling career where like my the group I was with like uh, one girl was hurt and one girl was on a different brand and like I was just kind of in limbo and I was like I need to find something that can like consistently make me happy for my mental health yes like I, I something, and so like on Christmas Eve, I, uh, or no, sorry, uh, before my wedding, um, I went hunting with my dad and I was hunting for the meal at my, at our wedding. Like I was getting a deer to cook at our wedding. Mm-hmm. And so I finally got like, it took me four days and I finally got this deer of like hunting all day, every day for four days. And I was, I was freaking happy about it. You know, like I was like, my wedding's not going to be cursed. Cause I didn't get this. <laughs> um, and so, like, I posted just, like, there was, like, some blood on my face. Mm-hmm. And no deer was pictured. Nothing was. And I was, like, got one. And the internet freaking blew up. Yeah. And I was, like, screw this. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, dying. I'm, like, watering myself down not to offend people when they're going to offend it anyway. Right. So, like, I posted my first hunting photo. And, like, the deer was in front of me. Like I was kind of in front of, like it was super artistic, like tasteful. Right. And I lost probably 15,000 followers Holy off one. Moly. Yeah. And it like kept, ha- it like kept going, you know, like, and I, I'm like, you know what? Like if me going half speed is still offending people, I might as well show what I want to show. Right. Do what I want to do. So that's when my page became like real hunting heavy. And like, it's gotten to the point where like, there's so much like hate, stuff on there that I caught myself like I would ignore it obviously yeah but I caught myself ignoring like the good of it too yeah like I just became numb to the good and the bad because I was just trying to be numb to the bad Hmm. you know but it comes at a price so like I am and like doing more to make a conscious effort of like being present for the people that like I'm like supporting or be present to people that are supporting me. Right. And trying to like, kind of be more present online. Cause I would just post something and then that'd be it. I wouldn't interact. 
for like my own mental health because people are freaking mean. Yeah, they are. And even today I posted or yesterday I posted you know, me getting back into the gym after, you know, all the issues I've had with my pregnancy. And people are still like, well, you should be doing that. But so normally I'd be like, <laughs> I can ignore it. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, like I will never argue with someone online, but mm-hmm. I will educate them. That goes with hunting and pregnancy stuff. Like if you post something that like is like you're ugly and your feet stink, I'm not going to freaking respond to you. But if you're like what you're doing is wrong. Like when I posted my bear hunting photo, people like black bears are endangered and you killed a cub. And I'm like, actually, no, black bears are an issue in West Virginia. The average size of a black bear in West Virginia is around 100 to 130 pounds. So Mm -hmm. I have an average black bear. Mm -hmm. And this was during the season, like. I will educate in yeah. that sense. Yeah. But I'm not just going to argue with you. I don't have, and I will never have the mental space for that. No, and it's not worth it. The, I, some of the best advice that I've gotten in the past was they don't know you personally. They don't, they are not interested in knowing you personally. Um, just unfollow me. Just And people's opinions are none of my damn business. Exactly. So like, uh, if if they have an opinion, like that's cool. But if they're just saying like stuff that's wrong, I'll be like, okay, now I can feel good about intervening in this aspect. Right. Okay. Right. I, I like say my piece and their opinion's still like super shitty. I'm like, okay, then you're not here to be, to mm-hmm. learn anything. Mm-mm. You just follow me to talk shit. That's fine. That's but you're cool. going to be talking to yourself. Yes, correct. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Yeah, you're going to be talking to yourself. I think um, one of the things that you and I talked a little bit about once was the difference between your husband posting a hunting picture and you posting a hunting picture and oh, yeah. the different responses that you get. And I've been noticing over time the negative responses that I've gotten, the death threats, the death threats on my kids, that like those oh, yeah. kind of things that happen. Uh, <laughs> The a lot of the men that I also have conversations with have never experienced that before. And so I'd love to talk a little bit about that because you and I both had a little bit of theory and your hubs even filtered into it as well with some of the things that he was saying. But but it's definitely evident the difference. Yeah, uh, he um I like Ray kind of said this to me and it kind of like, like shined a light on it Mm -hmm. that um, I don't know if it's because like we're women that men feel like it's, it's easier to kind of tell us what to do (laughs) or to express an opinion. Mm -hmm. So like, I think that's why I get so much flack on mine is because I'm easier to kind of talk shit to than 250 pound looks like he just got out of prison, Ray Rowe, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I'm, I'm easier. I'm like an easier target kind of, yeah. um, just like, you know, if I'm walking on the street, you see me and Ray and you want to rob someone, you're probably going to rob me and not Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, like that easier target thing goes both with hunting, goes both with like physical and mental, you know, aspects of that. Like yeah. I'm just easier to, to talk to and it's more socially acceptable to kind of tell me what to do than it is to tell Ray what to do. Yeah. And cause I'll post a photo of hunting and there'll be 500 comments on it or a thousand comments on it of people just talking mad shit. And then Ray's will have like 30 positive comments on it. Yeah. 
But I will say on my page, I'll get a bunch of hate comments, but there are people on there that will like freaking take a bullet for me and are like arguing with these people that in, in a way that I like can't, you yeah. know, <laughs> you kind of sit like back rather- and, and pop some popcorn and watch it happen. <laughs> Correct. I've, I've even like when I post hunting photos, people are like, I'm just commenting on this to read the other comments. Yeah. You know, cause it, yeah. It gets pretty, pretty saucy on there, you know, yeah. cause people are F you, no F you. And it just, it turns into a whole, a whole thing. It's like a verbal wrestling match on your, on your page. (laughs) I also think that like we were talking about earlier, it ties into it, those gender roles, those defined in the box gender roles. And I've, I've talked to my husband about it. I've talked to friends and family about it, just about how the gender role is so boxed in that it doesn't allow for individuality. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that's a lot of the reason that I get flack is the point that you made, but it's also the fact that I'm supposed to be seen as this nurturing, kind, mothering figure who doesn't take a life, who doesn't get blood on her hands, who mm-hmm. who doesn't have a knife in her hand butchering out a deer like that that's just not in the box and if you don't fit in the box then there's something wrong that we need to point out and I think that applies not just to hunting not just to wrestling not just to all of these things that define who you and I are but it defines you know somebody that works in computers somebody who works in the medical industry or a stay-at-home mom well that stay-at-home mom might still have these attributes that are awesome that don't fit inside the freaking box. So mm-hmm. I think that that's a lot of the reason why we get it as well um, is because we don't fit that box. Yeah. And it, it's, it's just, it's easy because like if you don't fit in that box and you express opinion like that, there's odds are, especially on the internet, there's going to be other people that are like, I agree. Yes. So you're like, my opinion is correct. Look at all these people that agree. Right. Right. People that don't agree aren't thinking right, you know. So if <laughs> yes. if you want to be convinced that you're correct on something, go on the internet because pe- there's going to be people that are going to support whatever the hell you're thinking or saying. Yeah, and and it, it doesn't. I'm not putting stuff out there for everybody to agree with me. I am perfectly fine. I actually respect vegans probably a little bit more than anti hunters that still eat meat. Um, yeah, <laughs> because at least you're living what you're arguing. Um, but like people will comment like, why don't you go buy your meat at a store where animals aren't hurt in the process? I'm oh like, gosh. wait, what <laughs> are you? What? Are you crazy? Um, have you lived under a rock your entire life? Like, I kind of just want to be like that. Where do you think it comes from? Um, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. And so I kind of have that. I don't know. The hate still comes. I think that one of my favorite posts didn't even have anything to do with it. It had, it wasn't even me. It was a person that I had interviewed and it was a picture of her with her deer and two vegans started arguing with each other. And I just sat there. (laughs) Vegan (laughs) It was. And I, it was, you know, one person was this high and mighty 
um, just negative Nancy. And then the other one was going, you're not doing us any favors by. And I was like, y'all just keep going. I'm just going to let you you're keep going. You're making us look bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that at the end of the day, how you, and I'm talking to the public, how you do your life is perfectly fine. It's your choice. It's your, what you do to your body, what you choose to do in life. That is your choice. I respect you as a person for making an, a choice that you have the ability to do here in the States, especially. You have the freedom to yeah, do that. Like, like, I don't go on vegans pages and be like, no. do you know what monocrop culture does to our no. ecosystem? <laughs> and, 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 and do you know what like mindset, like, I don't do that. No, no. Because like, do you, like these things are going to happen whether you do them or not. So me going on, like if I could talk to one vegan and if I could convince them that all this monocrop stuff is actually hurting more wildlife and hurting our planet and hurting our fossil fuels, if that would stop it, Hell yeah, I would talk to that one vegan yeah. and I would freaking, you know, die on that cross. But th th that's not how it's going to happen. Like mm -hmm. it's going to happen with like how how I spend my money, how I choose to live my life right. is going to make the most impact on what I'm trying to, you know, get across. Like yeah. my vote is how I spend my dollars. Exactly. So like that's how I'm going to change, quote unquote, change the world, not go on someone's page and spat out irrelevant information mm -hmm. that's not going to change them. You know, yeah, and all. I'm not going to search them out to uh, to target them either. That that's not yeah, going to do follow any good. Hashtag, I'm not going to follow hashtag vegan to try no. to get as many vegans as I can. You yeah. know, and I'm not going to tag hashtag vegan on my hunting page. Like it's just yes. asking for trouble. And so I don't know. I think that I wish that the respect was in turn given, but again. I'm not out there to please everybody. A thousand percent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. I used to be that person that wanted to make everybody happy, the peacemaker, the let's just everybody get along. And I have come to I, I, in my older years and the confidence in who I have become honestly since hunting and fishing and being a part of this community, it's like, I don't, it's okay if you don't like me. It's perfectly yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Not going to lose sleep over it. No, sure. <laughs> I'm actually going to sleep really good because I'm confident in who I am. Yeah, yeah. 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 Holy moly. Hey, recently you guys decided um, to not monetize Roseburg TV. Yes. What What was behind that? I, I love um, you so, put it a little bit on a post, but I'd like for you to talk about it. So like our, our channel isn't to like, we're, we're not, you know, cause like, especially like with how everything is being kind of like shadow banned and blah, blah, blah right now. Mm -hmm. Like our page, the purpose of it isn't to make money. Yeah. We want to reach as many people as we can spread awareness about the things we're doing and kind of support people who are doing what we're doing to do it more, you know? Um, so I think that like use the advertising and stuff is just kind of kind of productive to what we're doing. Like mm -hmm. the advertising is to make money. Like I'm not like, okay, I'm going to post this. Um, I'm going to post this Roseborg TV episode. Mm -hmm. It's about um, nature's way feed, which is the person that like makes our awesome feed for our chickens. If they could get a commercial or there was guaranteed that they had a commercial on our thing and I made money off that ad thing. Cool. 
you know, it's, it's kind of talking about what I want to do. It's relevant to what I'm doing with my uh, stuff, but I have no control over the ads that get put on my content mm. through YouTube. Yeah. So like I'm, if it makes it less annoying to watch my videos without these stupid ads on my videos that have nothing to do with me right. and I'm not really making money off of it anyway, I, I don't, I like me and Ray were like, why the hell are we doing this? Like, yeah. there's no reason to be doing this. So like, I just wanted people to know that like, Hey, you can watch your videos now without all that annoying stuff. Please go do. <laughs> <laughs> go support, go listen, go learn. I, I, I like the fact that, you know, we've, when starting the podcast, I had so many people, you need to get a sponsor. You need to get a sponsor. You don't need to be doing this on your own. And I said, but the thing is, is that this is my passion project. This yeah, is like if, if, if you were doing it to make money, like, cool. But if it's your passion, then just do yeah. it. <laughs> I don't want people telling me what I can and cannot talk about. I don't like people telling me who I can and cannot talk to. Um, I don't want a, a, a product that I've, I don't use to be something that I have to talk about. Um, I, it's, it is all about real women who love what they do in the outdoors. It's not about how many followers they have. It's not about um, who is sponsoring them. It's not about how much uh, clout can I get by interviewing so-and-so. It's about their story. It's about who they are because at the end of the day, I might not be able to relate 100% to you, Sarah, but there are parts of your story that I can go, oh, yeah. I got, I, I get that. And yeah, for sure. Cause I, at the end of the day, people without knowing it are selfish. So everything they hear, they're going to try to relate to themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I think that I can also learn and I can grow from each person that I listen to and talk to. And, uh, and it's something where before I started it, I think I've learned more out of talking to women and men, but I've learned more having these one hour, one and a half hour conversations, especially during COVID when you can't freaking do anything. Yeah, everyone's so, so, so solitary. Yes, but at least I can learn. I can learn about um, the way that a single mom had a kid that wanted to learn how to hunt. So she went out and learned how to hunt so that they could do it together. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, those are the stories that I think more people need to hear. Um, I think people need to hear that you can farmstead, you can you can mm-hmm. grow things, you can um, you can watch things grow, you can harvest things, you can uh, butcher things, you can kill things. Like you can do all of these things. And you can learn that by hearing other people's stories. You can be inspired by other people's stories. You can also take a story and be like, eh, that didn't relate to me. And that's okay. They have a cool story. Yeah. 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 And I just want to support them. Like pick, you know, pick apart like what you relate to the most. And mm-hmm. like now more than ever, like we're not alone. Like you can go on, like if I want to find the best way to wean my calves when the time is right, I yeah. can go on YouTube and be like, best way to wean calves. Yes. And I can kind of, you know, like information people are now more than ever, like sharing their lives and sharing what makes them happy. Like we're no, like people are a lot longer and more evolved in their lives where they're Mm -hmm. not just surviving, they're thriving. Yes. So you can kind of people's passion projects are out there now more than ever. Mm -hmm. 
And it's, it's very easy to find inspiration through podcasts like this and through just things you can kind of stumble across, like following a certain hashtag or yeah. following it's the passion is just overflowing nowadays. It's yeah. awesome. And I think that that's the positive side of the internet. I, there's definitely dark, dark, dark sides of it, but I think For that sure. there are so many, I mean, I've learned how to change the spark plugs in my vehicle off of the internet. And I didn't have to go to a shop and be told, hey, you need this too. And you need this too when I don't. Right. Uh, there's there's just ways that you can learn how to be more independent. Um, but there's also ways that you can go on and create relationships with like-minded people and feel supported. And I think that's the great yeah, like- part of it. Me just not using my Instagram for wrestling mm-hmm. and like open it up to things. I'm actually like, like I'm interested in wrestling. Don't get me wrong. But like there's other parts to me. And the mm-hmm. fact that like I showed these other parts and I'm finding people that like like-minded people that are doing things that I think are super interesting or doing things that I aspire to do. Mm-hmm. The fact that I've opened up Instagram for that, I want to be more involved in it. I want to interact more. And it's not like a chore that I'm doing just to not be numb to positive comments, you know, like yeah. I want to be there and present. Like it's, it's, it's how I'm on this podcast today. You yes. Know? It's because I, I, I put myself out there and like showed who I really was. And I wasn't just like a wrestling character on TV. Right. Right. There's, there's real behind it. Wrestling's a part of your life. Um, your family is everything. And, yeah. and that shows through. And I think that that is where you kind of can tell the difference between the people who are fake and the people who are real. Um, yeah, honest, the layers. Yeah. The layers, yeah. And, and honestly, it's that I'm, I'm not trying to please everybody. That's – Yeah. Um, I would much – I respect people so much more, not that they're being – hateful and disregarding of other people's feelings, but just saying, this is me. It's okay if you don't like me, but this Mm -hmm. is me. And if you want to be a part of the story, then follow along. If you don't, just keep looking for somebody else that you can find uh, relatability to. Because if you're not like your true self on online, you're not going to like, you're not going to reach those people that are really going to make an impact on your life. You know, if if you're just, if you're just like a transparent, like I'm only interested in this one thing. Yeah. That's not going to, Instagram isn't going to be for you. It's going to be for the people you're trying to please, you know? And that's exhausting. Let's just be honest. It's exhausting. I I did it for years. You know, it was exhausting. Yeah. It's so much easier just to be yourself. It's not, um, I shouldn't say easier because there is a little bit of fear sometimes in putting yourself out there. But if you are putting yourself out there um, and taking that step forward, it it can the weight, the burden is off of you. I I was listening recently to a podcast that um, Blood Origins did, and it was about um, you know we're all up in arms about the internet censoring our our stuff. Um, yeah, but it's really important for us to self-censor, right? It's, it's kind of really good, not necessarily to lie about who you are or to fake anything, but it's still important for us to be very careful when you are out there and people are watching you to shed a good light on something, to be educational, not just. Yeah. Cause like, like hunting is such like a taboo thing. Mm-hmm. And if you're 
just being like kind of if, if I'm showing a picture of me like bathing the blood of a deer, like that's not going to help hunting. No. Yeah. You know, like it's and it goes for the same thing, like hunters talking shit on other hunters pages. Like there's yes. already a small amount of us like don't don't put, don't put ourselves into a hole even smaller. Yeah. Because we're bashing each other. Yeah. You know? There are tons of ways to hunt. I love how you said earlier, I can just go <coughs> hunting with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I there there's so many ways that you can just go. If somebody wants to go fish, well, there's n- there's nothing wrong with going to a mom and pop store or to Walmart or the Dollar General and getting a stinking fishing pole and going fishing. Just get out there. Um, For sure. And so downgrading that or or saying, oh, that's not enough, or hey, you need to tag out. Versus just yeah. get one. Like, that's ridiculous. I, there's just the support of being in the community that's important. Or like, I I hunted bears in West Virginia. The bears are smaller. I had Canadian hunters being like, if you ever want to hunt a real bear, like, come to da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure I'll go do that. Like, <laughs> screw you. Like, mine was a real bear. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it was real, I promise. It was not a stuffed <laughs> animal. I did not fake this. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure if this bear is charging you, you're going to freaking think it's a real bear. Yeah. Like that other bear might be bigger, but it's still going to do bear things. It can still murder the crap out of you. It's you know? so true. It's so true. And that's, it's, yeah, I, we should be uplifting, not calling each other out for what you could have done better. Um, I can never imagine seeing some like new hunter and they got like a little, uh, uh, like uh, a one year, a first year buck or something. And they're proud as shit of it. Who am I to be like, oh, it's not good enough. And that's another thing about being passionate about like what, like if, if I, if, if I show up to a freaking place and everyone's showing hunting pictures and I show this picture of first year book that the times aren't even past his ears, but I'm so happy about it and so proud of it. And so elated by it that if someone bashes me, they're the asshole. Yes. Like be so passionate about what you do that if someone talks shit about it, they're just blatantly being an asshole because they're bashing something that's making you so happy. Right. They don't know the story behind it. I mean, right now yeah. on our wall, sitting behind me, I have my son's button buck in a Euro mount. Like, yeah, freaking a. yeah. That was his first deer. My daughter's doe head is on our wall. It is like, I do not... It is not about the the number of times. The inches not, or the, yeah. No, it is about the story behind it. So instead, look at somebody who's showing you that picture and say, hey, tell me the story behind that deer. Yeah, right. I bet they're going to be more happy than you're just like big game hunting and you found the biggest deer that you could possibly find. Yeah. They're going to have more like guts to their freaking story. Yeah. And if because you, it's something that you wouldn't be proud of and they're yes. freaking proud of it. So like, why? Yeah. You know? And if you put it down, then you've missed the whole story because they're not going to yep. respect you to tell you the story. You've missed a part of another hunter's life that meant a lot to them. And it 100%. doesn't give, it doesn't give, the trophy, which is the story, it doesn't give it clout, the clout that it deserves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Ugh, that's a whole nother well, conversation I, I, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I hate to jump off here early, but I think my baby is getting hungry no, and dad's are... doing everything he can. So <laughs> perfectly fine. Hey, Sarah, thank you. And I appreciate it big time. Oh, of course. I'm, I'm, this is, I think this is my first 
no, one, this is one of my first hunting podcasts that I've been on. So I, I'm really digging the the change of pace that it's not just wrestling. Like it's I, I fun. love it. Like, it's fun. And yeah. it's great talking to other women who love it too. 100%, yeah. Yeah. Well, you go feed him and, uh, and thank you very much. All right. Of course. Thank you.